Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. I'm Bill Bohr. And today we're going to talk a little bit about survey data and polling. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Christmas joy. But we're going to do the uh, our slow slouching towards fascism in this country. Do you know, Bill, that one in ten people surveyed, and these are Americans, I take it, think HTML is a sexually transmitted disease? <laughs> No, one in four Americans think God helps decide the outcome of football games. The source of that is the Public Religion Research Institute. 51% of people surveyed think that stormy weather affects cloud computing. One in four Americans thinks that the sun goes around the earth. Uh, does the earth go around the sun? What is that? What is that? Why is that interesting? Does the earth go around the sun? or just, Oh, thinks the sun goes around the earth. Okay. Right. right. <laughs> Instead of us going around. Got, gotcha. I, I would have almost been one of those four just by misreading it. One in five Brits surveyed would have sex with a robot. American churchgoers are more likely to support torture than those that are unaffiliated religiously. That's, that's very troubling. And average Americans think they're smarter than the average American. 55% of Americans think they are smarter than the average American. So 55% of us think we're above average. And some of those people who think that they're smarter than average thinks the sun revolves around the Earth. Yes. Yeah. So those are, but these are not the kind of, most of the, what we're going to talk about. We want to talk about a survey that just came out. It was this week, Donald Trump had made a statement that he thinks that until we figure out what the heck is going on or something to that effect that we should stop all Muslims from coming into this country, which of course was a very controversial statement. And people thought once again, that this was going to implode his campaign. But it's funny that Americans, 56% of Americans polled think that Islam is incompatible with American, with the American values and way of life. When you look at Republicans, it goes up to 76 or 77%. Independents are 56%. Democrats, 43% of them believe that. So, And then they did some polling after he made the statement. And 66% of Republicans polled agree with his policy. So that, but the, but a lot of the initial controversy, uh, brought a poll to my attention, which the, the numbers I just spoke about, the Islamic issue in American values, comes from a survey with the title, which is Anxiety, Nostalgia, and Mistrust. And it is the finding from the 2015 American Value Survey by the Public Religion Research Institute. That would be P-R-R-I or P-R squared I. What was the name of the study again? It's called Anxiety, Nostalgia, and Mistrust. <laughs> Finding <laughs> findings from the 2015 American. It's the latest Neil Diamond album. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm surprised no one ever wrote a folk song with that title. <laughs> so this is one of the one. Of, I mean, this poll, and I'll post a link to it in the show notes. But I mean, this is just fascinating about all sorts of issues. For instance, America is evenly divided. Americans are evenly divided over whether America's best days are ahead of us. 49% think our best days are ahead of us. 49% think our best days are behind us. But when you look, when you adjust for religion, among religious groups, white evangelical Protestants and white mainline Protestants are markedly more pessimistic than other groups, with majorities believing that Americans' best days are behind us. 65% of evangelical Protestants, 55%. Uh, mainline Protestants. By contrast, majorities of Americans who are affiliated with non-Christian religions, uh, 55%, Catholics, 56%, and black Protestants, 57%, and religiously unaffiliated Americans, 58%, all believe America's best days are ahead of us. Well, first of all, it should be noted that 100% of all Native Americans think our best days are behind us. <laughs> yes. And so yes. I think we should, you know, again, even the, we need to deconstruct what it means to be an American sometimes. You know, it makes sense to me, even in spite of um, the very realistic um, prejudicial treatment that still goes on against the African-American community, uh, given where we were, I mean, you can say there's some progress. Again, uh, I think even the outrage that's going on about how, um, you know, discrimination that ends up costing African-Americans their lives. Even the fact that it's being mentioned, I think, is is some headway. The fact that it exists is an abomination. So I can see where there's some optimism there. But, you know, if you, first of all, your, your theology, for many evangelicals, you know, you've got, um, you know, it's in your vested interest for things to get worse. So that Jesus will come back. And I think, you know, the majority of mainline Americans were white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. And so not only are their churches declining, but so in some levels is their hegemony over American society. So if you are having a bad day and are looking to be cheered up, stay away from white Protestants. (laughs) Black Protestants are safe. Buddhists, uh, people that are unchurched, these people will brighten your day. But... If you need a dose of hope and optimism, stay away from white Protestants. The other, another interesting finding, which is kind of related, is that six in 10, 60% of black Americans and a majority, 54% of Hispanic Americans believe that American culture has mostly changed for the better since the 1950s. In contrast, only 42% of white Americans agree. 57% of white Americans say the American way of life has mostly changed for the worse over the last 60 years. Right. Well, you know, again, it's, you know, the good old days were, were not good for large segments of our, of our population. Um, and I think we have, you know, there's been talk about the changing demographics that are going on. You know, I do think some of this anxiety, um, and again, the real threat there, there is posed this country um, by outside extremists, okay? There's, 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 a, there's a reality to that threat. There's a reality to the threat of what internal extremists uh, who, who are Americans 
gone awry, the kind of threat that that group poses is still you know, next to you know 9/11, the single largest day of terror in this country, loss of life was a was a home was an American terrorist. Yeah, so uh, reacting to the government. So I think there's a lot of threats out there. I mean, frankly, uh, just driving anywhere is more dangerous than all those things combined and multiplied. But I think what you do this when you know when 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 there are major cultural shifts in society, it come the anxiety comes out in all kinds of different ways. You know, we could point to all kinds of historical um, examples of it, but we don't need to. We just need to look at the survey that you're seeing, and the anxiety that's both real and imagined is shaping um, a lot of a lot of our public life, and it's profoundly shaping this current political. Season. I don't understand how anybody can think our best day or cannot be optimistic about change and things when Star Wars is going to go on perpetually. It basically they're going to continue to make sequels, so there will be no end. Yeah, but but Disney has it now. Yeah, but J.J. Abrams. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, if the Star Trek movies are any gauge, yeah. I, I am I am very optimistic. Well, you know, I think in all due we do in all fairness too, uh, the Republican leadership by you know. Across the board, uh, have condemned Trump's comments. Uh, all the major, all the candidates have, with the exception of Paul Cruz, but he lives in the same little universe. I think that Trump lives in. I don't know that he must. Trump must have be looking at polls like this because here's the funny thing about that, right? I say Paul. I mean Ted Cruz. Uh, Ted Cruz, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so everybody, do, all the candidates do speak out, right? And then it comes out that basically they all disagreed with Trump, who is advocating the position that 66% of the primary voters agree with. So I that's just fascinating. Well, I mean, when Dick Cheney, when Dick Cheney criticizes your positions of being extreme, you need to look in the mirror a little bit there, don't you think? Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying merely from as an observer, I just think it's fascinating that that all the, that these guys came out and they thought this was going to be their moment to finally like knock down Trump and it turns out most of the voters agree with him and not them, it's just a fact. It's just I don't know. I, it's a fascinating. Remember what was that toy? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Oh yeah, yeah. The one with, had the the base that was right. round. Yeah, maybe yeah, he's kind of a, he's a weeble. You could make a weeble with his hair. That would be a good Christmas gift. <laughs> so this is and again the uh, a chia the, pet. The stat that uh, about Islam being at odds with American values, fifty six percent overall. Here's some other interesting things, though. Approximately seven in ten Americans say there is a lot of discrimination against Muslims, seventy percent, and gays and lesbians, sixty-eight percent in the country. So most Americans would overwhelmingly agree with that. A majority of Americans, sixty-three percent, uh, say that blacks uh, think sixty-three percent thinks that blacks face a lot of discrimination, and fifty-eight percent of Americans think that Hispanics face a lot of discrimination. Now, Americans are much more divided on how prevalent discrimination against women is in the United States. 45% say there is a lot of discrimination against women in America today, while only 53% say that there is not. And relatively few Americans believe that evangelical Christians, 30%, Jews, 30%, atheists, 27%, whites, 25%, or white men, 22%, confront a great deal of discrimination in American society today. So that's how we break down on discrimination. Okay, you're throwing a lot of numbers at us, and my eyes are rolling back into my head. So give us some analysis. 
Well, it's funny that that one of the stats I think is so interesting is that while 56% of Americans think that Muslims are just incompatible, like their faith and values are incompatible with Americans, seven and ten percent ten Americans, 70% think they face a lot of discrimination. Do they think it's good that they face discrimination? Because no, but, it's, but, that, it's, but you know what? That doesn't, that doesn't, it's not, okay. It may not, it may on the surface seem that it's not coherent, but that's, that's, um, let's take a minute for instance. Okay. Um, there's a lot of religious ideas that aren't compatible with the American way. I mean, the Amish are not compatible with American thinking. Okay. But I think the vast majority of people would say they have a right to live their life the way that they, that they are. Okay. Now, again, the Amish are not a huge threat unless you're trying to drive somewhere quickly in Lancaster County. And they sell very good products at the little markets. Right. I mean, but, but I think what you have there is we, there's the good news is there's still a core value the majority of our country has that uh, people should be treated fairly, theoretically. In other words, that we should not discriminate against people, be inherently, you know, uh, just because of their their color, their skin, their race, or their religion. However, that doesn't mean, first of all, that we understand Islam, and secondly, given what people are exposed to Islam, you know, like it, you would understand that ever since 9-11, even before that, all that the vast majority of Americans know about Islam is what they see on television and that we're at war with them or that they're at war with us. So I, I don't think there's a lot of information out there for people to be more nuanced when it comes to what would it look, you know, what does it look like for a moderate Muslim to live and flourish in this country? Well, yeah, I, 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 could, I see that. So, I, I mean, the other thing that's interesting is that relatively few Americans believe apparently on the war on religion or the war on Christianity, which is a something like, like that certain cable news networks play up all the time. This this well, war religious on, groups there are religious leaders that play up on it, right? And and it's it, interesting that that doesn't a, a majority of Americans don't buy that narrative, which I think is very interesting. I mean, I don't. I'm I'm one of them. I don't feel very discriminated against religiously or anything like that. But it's interesting that it's. That um, it's that low. Well, you know, I I think one could argue that if you fully lived out the full convictions of any of your faith, then it might make you less than an ideal citizen of any modern state. This is true. I mean, in terms of there's a lot of biblical Christianity, if you took it seriously, would not make you the best American citizen in the world. First of all, as Christians, I think you make a strong argument that you know, any alliance, any allegiance to our government is always secondary to our allegiance to God. So that we as a Christian have a prerogative. Well, Jesus wrote the Constitution with the Founding Fathers. <laughs> I've seen a portrait of it. I'll post it in the show notes. I've seen it. Jesus, well, okay. Well, if you don't believe that Jesus was one of the Founding Fathers, then uh, you might find that some of his core teachings are contrary to um, some of how our country acts and some of the things that our country requires of us. So that, you know, most Christians should have an asterisk when they pledge the allegiance to the flag. And so um, I think we often don't realize that. It's easy to see. And again, I'm not being simplistic about the complexity 
of modern Islam and the different factions of it. But I, I just think we we just often act out of ignorance and fear. And um, certainly this is this is um, this is a prime example of that in 2015. If Jesus were running for president in the debates, it would be, Mr. Christ, this country cannot afford another cheek. <laughs> and I've been reading your book, and it sounds strangely anti-business. <laughs> uh, yeah, now this is something that is probably not surprising. The numbers may be surprising, but this is, but it's alarming. More than seven in 10, 72% of white evangelical Protestants and this is from even more, 73% of white mainline Protestants and white Catholics at 71% all think that killings of African-American men by police are isolated incidents, that there's no trend. There's not any kind of 70. I mean, that's a lot. 70% people. 70. So all, that's, wow. And then by contrast, about six in 10 Americans who are affiliated with non-Christian religion, 62%, and religiously unaffiliated, 59%, believe that these killings are part of a broader pattern of how police treat minorities. And among black Protestants, 82% believe that these acts of violence against African-Americans are part of a broader pattern. Well, the reason they do is because they've seen it happen. Right, right, right. <laughs> and yeah. they've buried friends and family members. So, uh, yeah, I think this ties into a little bit of, of our last podcast where the more nervous you get, the more you're open to law and order. I mean, you know, for instance, we joked about this, but you you looked at the Al-Qaeda website. This, yeah. Oh, this yeah. Statement. Oh, yeah. And we joked about it, but it's absolutely true that you probably are now uh, Homeland Security. Oh, I'm sure I'm on a watch list. All right. Yeah. So, and, and so, um, I mean, there's two kind of absurdities there. One, that Al-Qaeda has a website that's a friendly website that can, you can also learn how to make a pipe bomb on. And whoever does their graphic design stuff, their literature is very attractive. Yeah. I mean, it's and, well done. And, and secondly, that our own government knows everything that we look at, or at least it has an opportunity, anything that has a yellow flag. Now, most of us on one level, <laughs> you know, after something happens like it happened in California, we want, you know, we, we get mad that the FBI didn't know more about it. But the implications of the FBI knowing what they need to know in order to have a good shot at preventing this stuff is very, you know, is, is, is you know, we, we joke about the nanny state. Well, this is bigger than any nanny state that's going on in England or anywhere else. This is, this is pretty profoundly intrusive into our lives. But most of us have been willing to make that concession because of our fear of, uh, uh, um, not all of it unfounded fear, but our overall paranoia. And, and that's what's crazy. We want more guns, and we're, we want the government to be more surveilling other people. Not us, but we want the government to be more in other people's business. It's a crazy time. Yeah, I do think, I, I'm glad you brought up the last podcast, because I think for those who have listened to it, it, uh, it, it the one on political arguments at, at holiday dinners, that the whole idea that there's these five moral spheres that, that you know, compassion, fairness, uh, respect for authority, uh, protect the in-group and purity. Like, I do think you're right. Like, as, th as people get more anxious, the authority and the protect the in-group, they do, that does rise, you know, th those things become more important. Th then when we're in relatively prosperous times and secure times, I think, we are much more sort of live and let live and laissez-faire and that sort of thing. So, yeah. 
Well, okay. Can you give us anything to end this podcast on any kind of positive note? Um, Because there's something, I mean, you know, we've all been very aware of, of, I mean, the really war of words words that's going on, social media, pronouncements have been made. I mean, um, I'm, you know, very proud of many of my, some of my friends and colleagues, some of you listen to this, who've had an impact in the local communities to try to stand against this kind of prejudicial treatment to to Muslims. But, um, you know, we had an interfaith gathering uh, in the day in Philadelphia to stand in solidarity. Much, you know, it should be noted, some of the most loudest uh, uh, people protesting the way Muslims are being treated are Jewish folks. Mm. Because they have a better sense of history. When you start scapegoating one whole group, um, there's there's some really bad history that you know that's being at least uh, I'm not I'm not saying the same thing's going to happen, but we certainly are walking in the shadows of the Weimar Republic in some really particular ways, and so you know you have a loud protest during the day, but at night someone throws a pig head at a at a mosque in Philadelphia. So the hate. The fear, the paranoia is very real. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the Weimar Republic, which for folks who may not know much about German history, that was the government that was, before Hitler took over, after World War I, that was the government of Germany. There's actually a great book written about that by Peter Gay, and I think it's called The Weimar Republic, The Outsider is Insider, where all these people who are kind of marginalized culturally some of whom were Jewish and others and people that were culturally kind of progressives and, and things like this all had this kind of prominent place in the Weimar Republic. So, yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting. Like I, I think that, well, what, what, what do I take from this? I love, I love studies like this. I think they're fascinating. Uh, I think they give us like, first off, I think they humble us as a people. Like, I think we should be, we should, uh, if, if, I mean, American exceptionalism, this sometimes looks like we could be exceptionally, have some exceptionally strange attitudes about people sometimes. But I think, yeah, it's, uh, it, it also, I'm fascinated at the honesty here because a lot of, sometimes people, you know, for instance, when they do, when they do surveys on church attendance, right? Mm-hmm. People over-report, right? Right, Because right. how many people say they regularly go to church and then the statistics we know from worship attendants that are gathered, there's a disparate thing. Uh, but here, I mean, it seems like people are, it, it seems like a pretty honest assessment of people's attitudes and values on things. And I think trying to look at it and, and like, well, some of what you said before, I think that taking time to figure out what some of this stuff means is worthwhile. Like, I think uh, if, if the danger of studies like this is you, tweet statistics like I did today, actually. I did this. I abstracted a sentence and tweeted it. Uh, and it seemed, I, I mean, part of it was I wanted people to get to the study and look at it. Uh, but I think also to actually try to figure out what's behind these numbers is helpful rather than sort of just react to it in a way that's, you know, volatile or pessimistic or told you so-ish. Or, right. Yeah. I mean, to me, uh, I think there is there is room to be morally incensed at the implications of these things being said. Um, I think it's good for Christians to maybe take issue with uh, 
the president of a major Christian university advocating all the students having guns. Do you know that university is the only university in the country with a private ski slope? That's amazing. I, you know, my, I, I went to a Christian college for a semester. That's all I could last. Um, but we, we practiced, when the RAs weren't around, we practiced archery in the hallways. Oh, wow. So I just had this image of if we'd had guns, you know, half of us wouldn't have gotten. It went, and there wasn't any drinking involved either. Well, not that they, we got caught doing, but I, I just think college students and guns, uh, what an infinitely bad idea. And it's easy. I mean, it's almost cartoonish, some of the things being said. I, st- I think you're right that we have to resist the temptation, just become part of the rabble and become part of the uh, uh, point and counterpoint of, of angry rhetoric. Um, I mean, we have an obligation to love our enemies. And increasingly in this country, our enemies are as much the people who uh, might be sitting across the table from us and uh, who certainly we live in communities with. We worship together, we shop together, and I think as Christians, and I don't have an answer today, but um, we need to somehow find a way to try to build bridges, to be thoughtful, not reactionary, to understand and see fear, okay, because that's part of what we believe the gospel comes to counter. Certainly, the the songs of Advent are calling us to be free from fear and uh and to receive the joy of God. But um, this is a troubling time in in our country. And um, again, we've said this many times, but I'm much more afraid of the enemy within than any type of external force that's trying to destroy us. And I think that as Christians, regardless of how successful we can be, we need to try to act in ways that maximize redemption and try to bring people together. And uh, a good Jewish friend of mine say that we need to take the, the, the radical militant middle, uh, you know, to be a group of radical moderates who are calling for, for some balance and some reasonable discourse in a time of, of, of very um, of high emotion. Yeah, I think absolutely. The simple things, too. I mean, it's the simplest moral action you can take, I think. But profound is... Spend time with people that are different than you. Right. Like regularly, people more and more where Americans are ghettoized all over the place, where we don't watch the same news outlets. We don't eat, you know, the, the certain people from certain political and cultural persuasions sort of gather, eat, hang out, play, worship in one place and others of a different stripe and other places. So I th- the, the, the radical act of, of just spending time with people outside your tribe that have different faith commitments. You do see things politically differently. You watch different news outlets. Spending regular time with it to understand. You know, T.S. Eliot said that there's no such thing as a false theory. Every theory is true from some place you stand, or else it would have never been thought up. Like, it's it from his way, he said schizophrenia is less hyperbolic. Schizophrenia is less a disorder than, than a legitimate from one pers- place philosophical position. So like when you think somebody is, is just so wrong, I mean, there's some place that they stand and some life experience that what they're saying makes a lot of sense. And maybe you would think it too, if you had those experiences. So I think like that fundamental, if, if the message of Advent is kind of waiting for the incarnation, the ultimate act of empathy and solidarity, God taking flesh 
And I think the way you can, one can bear witness to that is by trying to draw empathetically to stories that confound you so that maybe you can collaborate together to seek shalom. Amen. Won't you stay, stay with me? All my life I was blind, I was blind, now I see. Lovely girl, won't you stay, won't you stay, stay with me? All my life I was blind, I was blind, now I see. Fleet of black, fleet of black limousines All tinted machines Here comes the cavalcade With the armored cars Armored cars like Berettas Flags on antennas Designed to keep me safe Keep me safe and oh my my, oh hey hey, here he comes, the candidate. Blue-eyed boy, United States, vote for him, the candidate. Diamonds cut, diamonds cut for the carrots. Plaster of Paris, the floats fill up the street. And uh, beauty queens, beauty queens with the white gloves All sick from the nightclubs They wave pageantry, pageantry And on my mind, oh hey, hey, here it comes, the big parade Marching bands of barricades Canvas covered, canvas covered in red. Violent men dance blood ballet. And the bookies say, bookies say it's the third round. All we knew you would go down if you don't.
and stage hands, American bandstand, electric guitar, and you sing songs, you singing songs for the lonely. Oh, the girls with the room key, they know all these words by heart, by heart. And ask, lovely girl, won't you stay? Won't you stay?